Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode is powered by denanywhere.com, the online extension of Den Meditation. Our primary goal is to make meditation and personal growth available to all so that you truly understand and learn to love yourself, thus creating more harmony and success not only in your life, but within the world. We offer online programs, teacher trainings, retreats, free meditations, and many programs to further your growth. So go explore all the possibilities. Go to denanywhere.com now. This is super exciting. We heard you guys. Everyone always asks us, especially from the podcast, so how can I do the den even though I'm not there? I don't live close enough. I don't have the time. So now we have denanywhere.com. And you guys, that is basically like having the den whenever you need it, wherever you want. And we have free meditations, so there's no excuses, all different times so that you can put it into your practice and they are free. And we have certifications, workshops, challenges that I'll announce that we can all do together. Basically, it's anything you could want from us but can't walk through the doors. And the beauty is you can sign up for free and please do as we're constantly putting new product up there and adding things that you're going to love and I don't want you to miss anything. So go to denanywhere.com, sign up and enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal. I am your host and the founder of Den Meditation. And I have a fun interview today, a little bit different. I'm actually interviewing a YouTuber. Um, her name is Lisa Schwartz. Her YouTube channel is Lisa Bug, and she has 2.2 million followers. But the reason I was attracted to interview her is she wrote this book, 30 Life Crisis, which, yes, is about kind of being in your 30s and feeling like you're going against what's expected of you and the norms and how hard that can be. But look, we've all talked about this. But the reason I feel like it's great for you guys and our audience is the fact that she really does talk about kind of her mental health and realizing that she was grappling with social anxiety and OCD from a very young age. But it wasn't until her 30s that she actually kind of acknowledged it and owned it and found tools to live with it. And I just feel like I've talked to so many of you guys and I know that this is something so many of you go through. And so whether it be in smaller forms or actually a diagnosis, this interview, I hope, will make you feel less alone and also gives you some tools on how to grow with it and deal with it so that you can actually start owning yourself and live your life in a way that actually feels fulfilling and not weighed down by this. All right, well, here we go, and I hope you enjoy it. It doesn't feel real. Like, all my fears and stuff are kind of like, they go away. It's like yeah. you're leaving them when yeah, you travel. Yeah, it's a little bit of an imaginary life that you're living. So it's like you travel, you feel like you're going on a, wait, a vacation from your like yeah. shit. Yeah, I think so. Wait, but I find that, are we roll, Are we on? Wait, can we just roll into this? Because I find that so interesting. I'm with Lisa Schwartz, and I'll do a proper introduction later, don't worry. Oh, no need. But I want to just roll into that because I think that's so interesting that you do have some heavy anxiety and OCD mm-hmm. and stuff that you've been grappling with since you were a kid, but like you can go on vacation and it kind of disappears a little bit. Yeah. It's something about stepping out of your norm and routine. I mean, listen, I'm not like ca- completely carefree, <laughs> but I do think that there's things that don't Translate. trigger me as much as they do in my normal life when I'm 
you know, even just driving in a car or getting in a taxi in another town. Here, I'm always, like, so neurotic and, like, holding on. And there, there's a freeing element. Is it because you don't know what to expect? Like, what is it do you think changes? So, for instance, like, being stuck in traffic somewhere else versus stuck in traffic here, does that have a different effect for you? Yeah. Why do you think? I don't know. I think I'm just coming at it with such a different sense of adventure, whereas, like, this is just day-to-day life. I don't know. I don't know. It's something magical. I love about this? I feel like we kind of might have helped you out by just talking about this, because think about it. If you can come to your life with kind of this point of view of, like, freshness. Right. Do you feel like that would help? Because I mean, that's interesting. Because, well, no, it's we interesting. Can, we, this is it. We're done. <laughs> We're done. Bye. <laughs> I'm Thanks healed. for coming. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> and that was so not the intent of any of this. But the reason it's popping in my head is because, you know, we were talking about patterns before we were on here. But it's like, they don't envelop you completely, clearly. Like, there's yeah. moments where you actually can escape them, even if you're in a similar situation. And you're just yeah. telling me a lot of it's because you come at it, like, with a different point of view. Yeah, and I think I was taught really young to embrace um, travel. Both of my parents just love to travel, my grandparents. And so there's a sense of freedom and exploration when you're doing that that is so opposite of what I'm normally doing. I don't know. I don't know. Wait, but let's go on that because one of my questions actually was, and just so people know, she wrote this amazing book, 30 Life Crisis. And the reason we've kind of started talking about this is because so much of it is about you kind of growing and owning yourself Mm -hmm. and like really owning the parts of you that might be like high in anxiety or OCD and then finally kind of embracing it to the point that then you can start healing and, and growing from it, which I love and it's so relatable to so many people. So one of the questions I had, which goes right into what you were talking about, was how much of this anxiety or OCD and stuff that can cripple you at times yeah. do you feel like was innate and you were born with it versus how much of it do you think was learned? Oh, and that's then, interesting. And the reason I asked is because you just said, well, I was taught to love to travel. Like yeah. I was taught that it's magical and we should just be free. What were you taught, even if it wasn't on purpose, like for your day to day? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Because I see the anxiety in my father and then, you know, his father. So it's definitely in our genes. Right. Certainly. But then I saw it. So then you repeated it. Then it then was I learned. Repeat, then it was learned. So I, I, I don't know. It's the chicken or the egg kind of thing. That's interesting. What kind of anxiety does your dad show? Like what is uh, it that He you... has very similar. Really? Yeah, very similar. My brother has extreme OCD, but in a kind of different way. He was like the typical. very stereotypical. Like he would erase all of his homework and have to start again if it wasn't like perfect. So I never thought I so had it because he had such an extreme version of it. But my dad's more like a social anxiety, discomfort, and just being out of his box. So I don't know. And what about your mom? Like, what was your mom like when you were growing up? Um, My mom, I think, was so concerned about my father and sort of keeping him happy and comfortable that I don't think I picked up that much about my mom until later years when they split and my mom and I became so close. I don't see anxiety in my mom. Not at all. No, but she's done so much personal growth, and that's not to say that she's, like, perfect. No one's perfect, yeah. yeah but I don't see my similar, like, quote-unquote issues in her. Right. I just, like, feel like I'm learning from her. How did, like, it manifest, like, as you were a kid? You talk about it a little bit. Like, you talk about 
Like, what for you came first? Because you talk about you realize you had a fear of change, and you do this funny dog story of how you begged, 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 and then almost when it happened, you couldn't handle the idea of it happening. Yeah, yeah. I love it. My daughter's, like, super dramatic, so I'm like, oh, God, this is hilarious. <laughs> um, and you talk about that, and then later you kind of talk about this anxiety and use McDonald's as kind of a reference of, like, not even being able to go up and ask for more ketchup. Something as simple as that. You're yeah. not even you're not even sending food back. You're not even being like the rude person, which I could get. You're like, I don't want to be that person. Totally. Simply just being like, can I have more ketchup for my French fries? And that was crippling for you. Yeah. Did one, if you look back, did one feed the other? Like did one come first? Was it like a change thing or was this just overall anxiety? Hard to say. I don't know because I feel like just now I'm starting to discover all these things. Like I would have never connected not being able to ask for ketchup until I started writing this. It's like, oh, I had a lot of like aha moments where I was like, oh, that it was festering in me from a very young age. But I don't know if I was aware of it back then. What surprised you most when you were writing this? Um, I just think how everything's so connected. But I've also been learning that in therapy, just picking apart how those little moments in your childhood really do come through and they come out at the weirdest times and I'm not a parent but I've been talking to some of my friends that are parents and they say it's so surprising when they are raising their children that these things that they had in their childhood that they haven't even thought about are coming up and they're having to process it now and I guess I see that in a relationship absolutely you know any friendship relationship anything that challenges you to be who you are, it's going to come up. And parenting yeah. is one, and for sure, being in a relationship is a huge one. Even like a deep friendship. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. So was there anything, though, you were like, oh, my God, I didn't even remember that when you were writing that came up for you? I think there's a lot of, like, references to childhood that they're not on the forefront of your brain. And even sometimes in therapy, like, she'll ask me about my childhood, and I can't quite, like, wrap my head around it and remember certain details. But with this book, like, trying to find specific examples from my childhood that then sort of support a claim that I'm, you know, a statement that I'm making, things will come back. So it almost, like, triggered those memories. And I think that's kind of interesting. Did it help you therapeutically? Like, oh, absolutely. Because I know you, you're very honest that you've been in therapy for a while and you're working really hard. I love the time where you're like, I decided this year I was going to work hard. Yeah, finally. <laughs> finally, I'm going to commit. And so it's great. Like, you're working really hard. Did this fill in some gaps that you'd been actually struggling with in therapy? Um... Yeah, or solidified, rather. Like, I actually think I got to a good place in therapy where I was, like, I took a step back and hadn't been going for a while because I felt like, okay, I I sorted through the big things I need to sort through. I want to step back and just kind of live my life. Process. And process, because sometimes it it becomes counterintuitive, at least for me. It does. At some point. You're over, and then you're... you're, Overanalyzing. Yeah, it's too much. Um, So then I kind of wrote the book, actually... In During that the, in that period, so I think it was just getting it all down on paper and and looking at it and be like, oh yeah, I I, I have made this growth and these connections and. But I love that because I do think you know we talk about that a lot here too. Obviously, I think therapy is great and important, but there is something that then becomes this overanalyzation, and like we say it here too, it's like if you look at everything as energy, when you talk about something, you're putting more energy behind it. And so it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's still living and creating. By the way, not to say you shouldn't talk, we should absolutely talk about stuff, but then there's that period of when do you push it? Like when do we like transmute that energy and move it? Let it go. And let it go. And I do think you have to process it. Like you say it, so much stuff comes up. If you're not processing, 
then you're just almost amplifying it sure. versus like letting it do its job. Yeah. But once the story's done and you've told that story, it's time to move on. Right. You know, a lot of people that are stuck in their story Ooh. and that's tough to watch. That's tough it's to watch. It's really hard to watch because yeah. like you see it so clearly and you can't say anything because they, for some people, it's just real comfortable. Absolutely. It's so much. And I think I talked about that in the book. It's so much easier to like, at least in my twenties, it was so much easier to be like kind of lazy about my mental health because it was it's more it's more accepted yeah it's more that is true it's more accepted and it's just easier to be lazy it is easier to be lazy or ignorant or whatever but then like you said then you get to a point you're like but now it doesn't look as good that I'm like lazy or not doing this or not doing that yeah what was it what do you feel like was a trigger for you of like this has got to change because a lot in your 20s it sounds like and I want to ask because this book is mostly about your 30s yeah what were your 20s like I think I blacked out a lot of my 20s. Really? I was partying a lot in my 20s. Fair enough. Yeah, just drinking, nothing like crazy. But I think my 20s were just discovery. Like, they say college. I went to college. I mm-hmm. did a four-year right after uh, high school. And you lived there? And I lived there. So you did the typical. Yeah, yep. you're very, like, typical. I went to UC Irvine, like, did the whole thing. And I, I think the idea is like that's the time that you're growing but really that for me was just the time to like have fun and sort of start to figure it out but the time right after when I like got my first apartment um, out here and had to figure out bills and all that I think that was an interesting time where you really are just trying to figure out who you are and how you're going to function in this world it's hard yeah and so I think that leads to a lot of like I did a lot of weird part-time jobs and I didn't really take anything too seriously now did you now you grew up kind of always wanting to act or perform and like be in front of the camera right or was it mostly on stage but in general so how and that kind of pushed you to come back to LA right to be here or where were you in school yeah I went to yeah Irvine down Orange County Um, it was either like come here or go to New York. Right. My family was here and just kind of made sense to come back. So in your 20s, like you're figuring it out. When do you feel like there was a shift for you of like, I need to pay attention to my mental health. Like something's off here. And by off, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I was aware of it because I have memories of going to therapy once I moved back here. Um, but I never like quite found the therapist. It was a combination of not finding someone that worked for me and with me yeah and I it's nothing personal against those things it's just like finding the right fit it's like dating um but also I like I said wasn't really quite ready to really dive into stuff I don't know if I wasn't quite ready or I just wasn't mature I don't I'm not really sure so I think it wasn't until I went through um a really big breakup that that's when I was like I need help sorting through this this is a lot to I need I need help so when for you, because you talk, one of the things you said that I love about, I think the first therapist you really worked well with, like, mm-hmm. and actually dug into, you talk about, it was finally, you got to the point, I think at three sessions in maybe, that you're finally like, I can just lift this veil off and actually tell them what's really going on. Yeah. But when in your life were you actually aware of what was going on? Like, how much of this did you feel, like as a child, yeah. how much of this anxiety or OCD was kind of prevented you from doing things how much of it did made you feel different like what were you feeling then and when did you start being able to put words towards like this is clearly something yeah I think I remember 
my mom said I started getting stomach aches in fourth grade. And that was like when I had Miss Swope, who was so mean. And the, it was just like that was kind of the transition where like I started to discover boys and the pressure of that. And I had this like cool friend that came in, but she was kind of the wild child. And so I started getting stomach aches then. And so I think it actually manifested physically for me. I always had stomach issues, digestion issues, um, things like that. And I think digestion is completely tied to all always. Absolutely. Because even my husband's like... Oh my God, you don't understand. But he always calls it the Jewish stomach. And I'm yeah, like, me too. I'm like, but I'm Jewish too. I don't have that stomach. I'm yeah. like, I go, nobody in my family has that stomach. We're, but he's like, well, you guys are Israeli. It's different. It's always <laughs> this thing. Then he was like, well, my mom has it. It's like hereditary. I'm like, but your mom's also like a nervous Nelly too. I go, it's all tied together. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yes. That's where it manifested for so we carry, people don't realize like how many like, like nerve centers you actually have in your gut. So your gut has its own intelligence. So like it is completely wrapped up with like what you're actually going through emotionally. That's wild, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So when it's, you're got stressed. Its, it's got its own like soul down there, you know? Yeah. Mine is very active. <laughs> it's an active soul. <laughs> so, so you, so, so it manifests that, that. Yeah. And then after college, so then in college, like, I don't think I was like fully present. Uh, you guys are drinking and you know, the whole thing. And I, they put me on antidepressants, I think Why? in college. Because that's your parents or no, the their psychologist there. So why were you going to the psychologist there? <sighs> I like can see it. It's so weird how memories. I like, love it. You really did black. Yeah, I can <laughs> see it there. Um, yeah, no, I don't remember. I think just typical like stress, but I don't think I had completely connected the dots. But I think they gave like everyone in school that went mm-hmm. antidepressants. I think Probably. they were quick to do that, and I was on birth control. So all this, so, a lot of shit. In your oh body. my god! So after I graduated, I got off of all of it, and I was trying to rebalance, and that's when panic attacks started, and that's when I really realized what was happening. What was your first panic attack? Ooh, I don't know if I even remember, but I don't think I was able to identify it. Because if you don't know what a panic attack is, it's so scary. Because you think you're dying, right? Yeah, or it's, yeah, it's just like it takes your whole body over, and then this, then the anxiety of what is this? It's just like this nasty spiral. Now, were you with anyone when your first panic? Like, did anyone know it was happening, or were you like totally on your own for this? I don't remember. I have memories of like being on the floor, like curled up at my dad's house. So he was there, but I had to go to work. And I remember him being like, just get up and go. Like, I don't, I don't know if we all as a family, like really understood what was happening to me until I finally. Did he ever have panic attacks? Cause I know you said he's high anxiety. You know what? I don't know. I've never asked him that. I'd be curious. Yeah. I can't, I'm sure that. Or maybe has. not if he couldn't recognize it. Cause it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, that's true. Also, I think he's been on medication for a while. So. That kind of changes how you react to things. And so when you're, you said your mom kind of spent most of, because they're divorced now, yeah. spent most of the marriage kind of just trying to take care of him? I think so. I mean, that's my memory of it. And do you feel like that's why they split? Or do you know why they? Um, yeah, I think it was, yeah, I think it was like many years to come in. And so as soon as I moved out of the house... It's one of those things. They're like, we've done like, our job. Yeah, it's just the two of us now, and this is like not what. But it sounds like you weren't really aware of it. Yeah. Like you didn't sense that there was any discord between them. I mean, I remember fighting a lot, but I think most kids experience that. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Um, like a lot, a lot, or just like they fought. I mean, they I just fought. Argued. Yeah. They argued. Um, and there was points, and I write about it in the book, where my mom at one point was like, I can't do this anymore. And she said that to yes. me, which was interesting. And But you didn't know what she was talking about at that time. I mean, you? I knew she was referring to my dad. Oh, you did? Yeah. But I, um, you still don't really process like 
I wasn't, I hadn't You were been, young, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, and I wasn't like in a relationship. Like I didn't know what relationships really were. So yeah, I think I always had an idea that there was stuff going on between them, but I didn't really like, I guess your mind never really jumps to that's what this is going to be, a divorce. So when you said like, this is the first time I could actually take this veil off and let someone see me, which was this therapist, did your parents never see this stuff in you? Like did they, or did you really, did you have a way of keeping what was really going on inside of you from people? I'm sure that they did. I mean, again, I'm a lot closer with my mom. Yeah. Um, and she, I think just simply because she's a female, but also <laughs> she's just uh, a lot more self-aware and open and, you know, willing to, to have those conversations with me. So I'm sure that she saw it. But then again, I was away from them for so long. Right. At, right after high school, I went to college and I never really came home to visit. So... They weren't really seeing what was going on. But it's interesting because you say you have a lot of social anxiety, but you were going out and you were partying. Yeah, I mean. Were you masking it with like the yeah. stuff so you weren't feeling? You could mask it to the point where you could actually go out. Yeah, and also I don't think the um, feeling of, so I started getting um, feelings like when I would go in the malls or airports where it would become such a physical reaction to big crowds and, you know, things would start to swirl and this and that. But that didn't really come on till later in my 20s. So during college, maybe I didn't, maybe it would have come on, but I was just too stoned to know or something. I don't know. And does the therapist say, like, is this something that happens? Like, this might be a really dumb question, but I just don't have as much experience with, like, OCD or anxiety or social anxiety. So, like, is this something that you have and then it exacerbates and then the social anxiety kind of is another part of it? But if you let's say, could have gotten into therapy earlier, started getting tools, would it not have gotten to that point? Or that was just naturally, is that naturally something that's always part of it? I don't really know. I know that the OCD, mine is like, um, I overthink things. Right. If that's how it festers in my brain. Um, And I I pre-worry about things. And so that feeds into the social anxiety, which feeds into the OCD. So I know that those two sort of ball together had I worked on it earlier, maybe, maybe, but I don't know if I would have had the maturity to quite understand. I just think this was my timeline of and like, course. you know, this is how it was all meant to be. And, you know, I feel like I'm a better person because I went through all that, Absolutely, but, but maybe, yes, maybe. And when did you feel like there were times like when you were growing up, you would like overthink things. And since people didn't know that you were this is what you had, like, would you get these comments that would just drive you crazy? Like, stop worrying or stop overthinking. Like, could you just not? Do you know what I mean? Like, did you butt up against what other people, like when you said your dad was like, just get up and go to work. Were there times where you're like, that just could have been handled differently, but people just didn't know? Probably, yeah. Like, what's your advice? I guess, what's your advice to people who are either going through this or friends that might have friends that are going through this? Well, I guess those are two different things, right? So, like, how to deal with someone who has anxiety I've found some really great memes and they're memes, but like things that people pass along that are like, you know, instead of saying like, just get through it, it's like, what can I do to support you? Or, you know, just cheer up the same thing for depression, right? Just cheer up. Yeah. Or just smile. Yeah. It's more about like facilitating, asking questions. What can I do to help you? Do you need space or do you want a companion right now? Like it's things like that simple giving, I think the person that's struggling the power um, and some control, because, right, there's a big thing of, like, lacking control um, when you have anxiety. it's you, you can't control anything, and that's why your body, you know. So give it just giving them the choice of control is really helpful. I, yeah, I, I just came up with that right now. But I think that that's probably giving them something to grasp onto. 
um, asking. And then for people that are suffering, I really think asking for help, which is so hard to yeah. do. That took me a long time to figure out, but whether it's like a family or a friend or a therapist or a teacher, like really reaching out and there's no shame in that. And in fact, people are so glad that you ask and so honored that you would absolutely trust them. And I'm sure anyone who's close to you and sees you struggling, all, all anyone wants to do is help someone they love or care about. Of course. And help them get to the other side, whatever that is yeah. for someone. And luckily there's so many tools now. Yeah. Po- I think podcasts have like really opened the conversation tremendously um, to things that like, especially as women, we've just been like taught to kind of, at least I feel like, to shut down, to quiet. And now we're so able to open you know, talk openly about these things, and that's huge. You know, one of the things you said in your book, too, is you finally did get tools of self-talk, and if you couldn't figure out the self-talk, if that wasn't working for you, then you had a meditation you went to. Mm-hmm. What was, but what was the self-talk? Like, what were those tools? Um, I came up with a mantra, which I'll just keep to myself, but, like, that's that I would repeat in my head, and I don't know if that, like, I don't know if I even like hit like a sense of hypnotism, you know, no, kind of like yeah, it's like meditation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And was it just like a self empowering mantra? Was it? I yeah, know, I, I am this. Did. I am that. Okay. I am this, and this is okay. And that was your own that you came up. And with. that was my own. And I don't know. I I don't even know if that was a conscious effort that I made. It was just like one time at the doctor when I was freaking out because I don't like medical things. Right. It just like I would just say it on repeat in my head to help me get through. And then later in life, it's like, okay, this isn't, this isn't my stuff. I have a tendency to take on other people's energies. Yeah. Very porous to remind myself Very when porous. I go out. Very porous. I love that. Yeah. To, when I go out, like, okay, this feeling I'm feeling is not mine. This is someone else's. Like, it's one of the things I wanted to ask you about because you kind yeah. of mentioned, you talk about how you're really, like, you have your sixth sense is, like, on fire. Yeah. Do you think there's anything to that? Like, do you feel like as a kid, maybe it was like really on fire? Because we hear, I mean, look, in the world we operate in here yeah. too, a lot of times it's a lot of people who, and look, the first thing is everybody has a sixth sense, everybody's intuitive, everybody can be as psychic as they want. It's a matter of how much are you going to let it open up. But some kids are born very open. Like, yeah. well, all babies are born open, but some kids stay open in a way that can be very overwhelming. And then they mask it in different ways. And so, like, one of the things that came up for me when you were talking about that is, like, when you're, like, my sixth sense is really strong. It's hard to know what people are thinking sometimes. I wonder if there's anything to do with that, too, for you. If, like, that was actually super strong for you as a child before you know what the fuck that means. Right. And if, like, some of that, it it can be very anxiety-inducing. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You know what I mean? That's so interesting. I've heard that about kids, and I think that's so cool and so fascinating, and I just love reading stories about that. Yeah, and a lot of kids, you end up, most, all kids shut it down at some point. It's like you're born, then you shut it down, and some, it's just so big, they can't shut it down. And then it can, and usually when you talk to children or now adults or that, it's like, it's very anxiety inducing. Because think about when you're like, open up to this huge world without the tools or the capability of knowing what it means. It's a lot. And trying to pick apart what's real and what's not. Oh, God, it's it's a lot. Yeah, trip out, man. <laughs> yeah, and then think about it. And then if you have already in your DNA, like, the tendency for, like, anxiety and depression. Yeah. Could be. That's some, fascinating. Yeah. I got to ask my mom about that. You should. Because yeah. your mom seems like she's super open oh, to all yeah, this Oh, yeah, and my mom has great sixth sense, and I think my mom's can hear 
people and spirits and she's a little fairy so is she listening now hi mom yeah I'm just kidding. <laughs> probably but that's awesome I love that your mom's like that. it's so interesting that your mom was with your dad very it's fascinating it's almost like she was there to like heal a little I bit I think so and I think he taught her a lot she came from a single mother family who worked very hard and kind of kind of raised herself and um in a poorer area and so I think you know, my dad gave her a lot and taught her a lot, and she taught him a lot. And then it was just time to. Are they still close? Ways. Yes, they are oh, the best. So nice. They're the best co-parents. They're so good friends. We do Thanksgiving together. They made such an effort to like continue to have a relationship for our benefit. Are they? I know you talked about this really kind of sad story about your mom who dated on, but are they now? Are they with anybody? Yeah, or? my mom's with a great guy, Larry. If you're listening, Larry. <laughs> we love Larry. <laughs> um, they've been together for like two years, and my dad's been with the same woman for hi Toby, sixteen-ish years. Wow. Yeah, neither. I don't think plan to remarry. I just don't think. And so all the, the four of the, all do Thanksgiving together. It's like both. Extended Larry's things. new, so he hasn't quite. Integrated. Made, he hasn't made the Thanksgiving dinner yeah. yet. Uh-oh, <laughs> but, so what's happening this fall? Well, Larry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. Because um, he has a family as well. But, yeah, we have integrated everyone. And that's cool. I mean, that's what today is all about. It's, like, so interesting. You know, you, ta- you touch on the theme a lot in your book of you know, like the standard and what people are doing. So whether it be about dating, getting married, having babies, you know, jobs. And I feel like that was very anxiety inducing for you too, feeling like you weren't following. Yeah. The standard that like, I don't even know where that came from. Right. But I'm always like, where did it come from? Think about it. Cause families now, and they're like, it's just not standard. We all do Thanksgiving together. I'm like, but I feel like that's happening more than you see a nuclear family. That's just stay together. That's always having Thanksgiving dinner together. I think it's more often like, what's our version of Thanksgiving, which I feel like it should be life. What is your version of life? Like what works for you? Yeah. But you think that's been around for a long time. I actually think like we're just starting to embrace that. You see it now more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, modern family, right? Like we finally are starting to see it and it's so much more common, which is giving us like taking the weight off everyone's shoulders. And do you feel, I mean, you talk about it a lot and you obviously kind of were in it. Why do you think it's so easy? Or maybe the, the question should be, why is it so hard not to fall into this, like, this is what it's supposed to look like? Because that's what we were raised on. We watched, um, you know, rom-coms and, you know, uh, princess stories. And it was just what you knew. This is what we knew growing up. There's very, like, leave it to beaver. I mean, I'm a little bit it's, young for that, but no, like, it's true. that's just what we saw and what we knew. But it's funny because you talk a lot about Seinfeld and I kind yeah. of laughed. I was like, oh God, I wonder if that were like what I, because I'm probably like a generation, a generation above you. So I'm like, and I love Seinfeld, but I was like, I wonder if that was what I was raised on. Like the formative years, I was right. like, that's fascinating because what makes it so great is it's like brutal honesty of kind of negativity. <laughs> yeah, they just embrace that negative, weird view on everything. Yeah. I love it. You talk about, um, how your parents' divorce did kind of fuck you up, though, and it made you nervous to date because you feel like, well, what's the point? Like yeah, this, of course. This fairy tale doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So, but now you're with someone. Yeah, I did it. And you feel you did congratulations. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Took me 36 years to figure it out. But I, but everyone always says it. But I'm like, it's not even about you know. People get married at 22, and people get married at 25, and they get married at 30, and it doesn't yeah. mean they figured it out. That that is actually and that's what people very need true. to know. I say to them all the time. I go, just because people are married, or just because people are doing something the way you. Think think you're supposed to do it does yes. not actually mean they have figured it out that is so true and actually I am so grateful yes that like all I'm so grateful for all my relationships past because they really do lead to the next and whenever anyone asks me about breakups and how you get through it 
it sounds so like easier said than done, but knowing that there is a brighter light at the end of the tunnel too, it's like, okay, this didn't work, but now, yeah, I'm gaining these like lessons and now I'm moving forward. So I think we're both so grateful that one, we didn't get married before now because there could have been people in my life that probably like, we could have close we could have made it you know we could have forced it yeah um and ta- we kind of talked about marriage and this and that but I'm so grateful that I never settled and it just like kept pushing along regardless of the fact that I was like oh here we go get back on the horse like no one wants to do that but right it's worth it totally worth it yeah and do you feel like when you look at like how many of your friends are still married from Anyone gone through divorces yet? I have one friend who's going through her second divorce. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That's, that's a hard. that's a whole that's, nother, that's a whole different story. Yeah, that's a really like extreme version. But yeah, I think um there's a few and it's gonna I mean There's gonna I, be more. That's there's gonna life. be more. It's just life. Yeah. But do you feel like you're do you now believe in the forever? Like you were afraid your parents ruined for you? Or what is your ideal of love now? I think we all have a bunch of soulmates along the way. Like I I think the person I'm with, I'm going to be with for as long as humanly possible for both of us, you know, hopefully, you know, whatever. But I do actually think that there's more than one person out there for you. And I've seen my mom go through it, you know, and I, so I don't, I don't know what forever means, but until it's time to move on. Yeah, I feel the same way. That's what I always say. That's why I, I, I used to struggle with the concept of marriage, not for the same reason you did, because my parents have been married for fucking ever. For me, though, I always struggled because I was like, but what's forever? Like, who can guarantee forever? That, yeah. That's a scary guarantee, no matter how much you love someone. Sure. So I get it. I used to always be like, I just feel like you can be super in love and have the perfect person. But like you were just saying, who knows where the journey takes you or what you're supposed to learn or where you're supposed to go. Yeah. So it was or the same health. Idea. Like, you know, God Yeah, God willing. forbid. Yeah. But God <laughs> forbid it ends for more yeah. dramatic reasons. But my grandpa got remit. So my, my grandma passed when I was 16. And my grandma and grandpa had been together for, for what seemed like forever. Maybe, I think I talked about it in the book, 45 years or something. He got remarried mm. and has been with this woman. They're 101 and 102. Aww. And I've had this like whole second journey of life. So he's had two great loves. It's like, been like 40 something years also. Yeah. How great is that? It's beautiful. Yeah. And it also shows you part of, I think, the mystery of relationships. People think you find this perfect partner, your person, and then it's great. And they don't realize, no, 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 like there's actually self-growth that's constant that you need to be doing for the relationships to work. No matter oh, how yeah. perfectly in love you are, there's so much about actually like working on the relationship. Yes. Which I think shows when you see people like that who've had multiple amazing relationships, it's, there's a factor in there. It's probably the people and how they're willing to actually negotiate yeah. the dance. Yeah, it's a partnership. It's a business partnership. It is. You know, it really is. And, like, how much do you want to, like, give and take with your business partner? Yeah. You, you can, like, shut it down and then see how that goes. Or right. you can be, like, open and, like, accepting and work it. And yeah. Work it. yeah. But I thought um, it was just really interesting how you gave hilarious dating advice about <laughs> doing – I mean, the app dating advice is really funny. But you're right because – I see it all the time now, too, everyone dating, and they're just so worn out. And I love what you said, which is just know everyone's expectations are different, and what they want and what they're going into it is different. Yeah, I think I, that I, it took me a long time to figure that out. It's so easy to take things so personally, right? Whenever someone yeah. doesn't swipe on you or doesn't write you back, it's like your fault. What did I do wrong? Or if you're on a date and they don't call you for a second date, it's me, it's me, it's me. It's so easy to look inward and be so hard on ourselves. When 
really, if you flip the, it around, one, are you even interested in that person? Right, no, now it becomes I, like, I wanted them. Yeah, you just want them because you can't have them because yes. it's an ego thing. Um, but also really putting into perspective that everyone's online dating for different reasons. Some people just do it for an ego boost and are yeah. on the couch Absolutely. or on the toilet swiping just because they're bored even. And so you got to remember that, that it's not always a reflection of what they think about you. It's just they're in a whole nother place. They're, they're doing it for a whole different reason than you are. Absolutely. And I love that you said that about, I think part of so many issues that people have period in life is because of this self narcissism. And I say that lightly, meaning we all do it. Yeah. I'm not saying like you're a narcissist, but there is a self narcissism that happens where we do, because look, it's our own lives. It's our own planets revolving. I mean, there's no way around that. So, but we forget that it's also that person's own life and their own planets. And so whatever they're going through is their own shit. But yeah. everything becomes about how it's me and what did I do? And oh my God, fuck them. And then it just spirals you to a whole other place that has nothing to do with you at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. And if you can like recognize that that's a pattern that we all do, um, I think it helps in situations, even like auditioning or interviews or it's so easy to like turn everything inward and yeah. I'm doing it wrong and trying to be, trying to do something right, right? Trying to per be perfect. It just doesn't, it doesn't no, you got to just anyone. figure out you. Yeah. I know it's just a friend of mine was just doing online dating and she was like, I had the most amazing date with this guy and we're going to see each other and then I'm going to, and I can't believe he rejected me. And it was all became this self-loathing. And I was like, don't forget you had one date. It's not like you dated for two months and this ended. Like, right. do not let this get you down. Like you had one date. It was great. I know you were excited, but like, you got to move on from that. Like it has nothing to do with you if yep. it was just one date. That's such a call. I, yeah. Yes. I'm like, do I, not, you can't, I was like, you can't act like this is the breakup of like the year after one day. You got to go. That's what, I mean, I've been there too. It's like you connected with someone and you're like super excited because the connection was so great. I was like, chalk it up to being maybe confused or maybe look at it as clearly there was something different going on than I felt. Yeah. I go, but you can't let yourself spiral to this like depression after one like, right. date. Which ultimately has nothing to do with the person she went on the date with. Of it's course. all her own stuff. Insecurities. Yeah. And also like you don't know what's going on with that other person. What if their like love of their life that had broken up with them called them back. Just called and said I want to get like it, most of the time it has nothing, nothing to, to do, do with you. you. But that is easier said than done. Way easier said than done. Yeah. But it's funny because you you know you talk about this whole time how you struggle like you, you know you talk about it as if you're like I had no clue what I was doing but it's interesting as you went through all of your relationships like kind of in the book yours actually had a pretty interesting perspective during the breakups I found like I found you actually had a very mature point of view which is why even though as you said like oh I finally figured it out and then we kind of talked about well I don't know if you figured it out as much as you kind of just let yourself grow and let yeah. the right thing come when it was supposed to versus forcing stuff I found that really interesting because you were whether it be with Shane, which was a more public yeah. breakup, but that was actually such a beautiful ending. And your ability to let him go and love him so much in the process, I think, was super mature and, oh, and a you. way for you guys to like both continue growing and move on. And also, like even the, the Florida thing, which was like your epilogue, basically. Yeah. But that was really mature, too. And I knew it. The minute, like, you were talking about how this guy is, like, looking amazing and playing with the kids and everything you want. And then all of a sudden you were, like, pulling away right away. I was like, oh, it, the future's scaring her. Like, she knows. Yeah. And that's what you got to. But I feel like that is super mature to be like, oh, crap. Like, I just got a vision into what having kids and being married like with this guy would be. And as much as, like, he's amazing, not for me. Yeah, it was that gut instinct. I had that moment of, like, this isn't. But you paid attention to it. But I paid attention. But I think that all happened from Shane on. 
I think before that it was a little more volatile. That was in my twenties too. Right. Cause I wasn't, I hadn't processed everything. And I think with the shame breakup, I actually remember having a conversation with him where I referenced my parents and how their partners and how they were able to still continue this relationship, but in separate, you know, going and you had that conversation ways. before the breakup or during Dur- the breakup? During, Got it. As, you know, this year-long yeah. breakup situation. But I do <laughs> think I use them as sort of an example of like, hey, we're, we can still be partners in this because we were so afraid to like lose a sense of, any relate? Well, uh, you guys had a deep friendship. At the yeah. core, you guys were really good friends. We were good, I which think is probably why it lasted as long as it did. Yeah, we we didn't want to separate because it sounds gross, but we were like family at that point. It, it was that kind gross. of bond. Yeah, I, you shouldn't sleep with your family, well, but <laughs> no, but you you end up becoming family a yeah. lot of times with the person you're sleeping with. So that is true. That is true. So look at it that way. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I like that. that. Less incestuous. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot better thank you thank you then you can still say family yeah and you also have business together which I mean yeah. I know is no reason to ever stay with anyone but it's a lot harder to pull apart sure there's a lot more elements to it but I think like I actually learned the most from that relationship in terms of then how to proceed with like ending other relationships so the the next big relationship I had the one that you referenced in the uh, Florida thing it ended so amicably and amicably Amicably. Yeah. That is a weird one. It doesn't roll off your tongue as easily as you think it would. It's kind of (laughs) counterintuitive to the definition. You're right. It's not amicable on your tongue at all. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I think, and then, and yeah, I don't know. I just feel like now I'm. Do you think part of that is because he was gay? Like in a weird way, you could separate the personal. Oh my God. If he started dating a woman right after. You would have been like, fuck you. And back to to like the volatile breakup. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think so. I would have reverted to my 20s. Uh, Yes. But what a beautiful lesson, though, to be taught that you can do that and be happy for someone even as they move on. Yes, because it all leads to the next. And it's funny. That started happening in my 30s, too. Like, I had a pretty gnarly breakup with a guy. We were great. There was cheating involved. Aye. He would, But it was funny. Like, even with that, like, I remember just wanting him to be happy and we stayed really close and I remember it was different than any of the breakup because soon afterwards like in my healing phase where you're just going out with your friends I ran into him with the girl and and all of our friends because like we always hung out in big groups at a brunch so there could not have been a worse scenario I basically watched her being like put into my spot like hanging out with all my same friends and I remember he and I were so happy to see each other and even though, like, it was hard as far as ego I was seeing that, I remember, like, I was genuinely excited to see him because I missed him. Yeah. He was genuinely excited to see me. We had a great moment. And I remember leaving being like, this is such a different breakup. Like, yes, I still had to heal all this shit, but I, ge- I just wanted him to be happy. But also, were you so much com- more comfortable with yourself? You had figured out kind of... For sure. I was always pretty comfortable. Like, my 20s were definitely more of kind of like how you describe your 30s a little bit. Yeah. And so... Yes, for sure. And there was something about, but that was definitely, I remember, a turning point of, because he was in my face, too, a lot. It was like an actress, so I always had to see it. But it was very weirdly like, I just want you to be happy. And, like, we're still friends to this day. I mean, we're yeah. not, like, best friends, because, like, we've all moved on with different lives. But, sure. But, like, there's never been a negative feeling for either. I mean, And there doesn't need to be. And there doesn't need to be. Yeah. At all. If anything, there's been more negative on the new partners into it. I think probably because it's hard to understand why someone's not like just putting their hand up towards an ex and being like, fuck you, get away. Yes, but that's their own issue and that's deep-rooted in something else. But I remember paying attention to that feeling where I was like, the overriding emotion I had in that moment at that brunch wasn't, 
oh my God, fuck you, fuck them. It was, oh my God, I'm so excited to see you. I miss you. Like that was. That, I like, I'm so excited. That's, that was the paramount feeling. Yes. Like obviously those other feelings were also of like course. mixed in, but that was the big one and that was the one I took away. And I remember leaving going, that's interesting. Like I was genuinely excited to see him. Even though, like, she, who, by the way, I became really good friends with, too. like Because that's what started change. Like, so many of those girls that were, like, hooked into that are actually dear friends of mine now. If any of them are listening, they know exactly who they Aww. are. Yeah, because became, think that like, there wasn't any too? anxiety towards them anyway. I'm like, it wasn't about you. It wasn't about me. It's about him. Yeah. And, like, we're all, like, really good friends, too. So it just shows you, like, when you kind of can take yourself out of that orbit how much easier it is. It's taking your ego out of it. It is. And then it just becomes easier. I mean, just the less stress, the less shit you're putting on your physical body, actually. Yeah, because yeah, it does become physical. It does. I mean, feel it. I think about the difference of how I used to feel, like when you'd be like crumbled in a ball getting mm-hmm. over the relationship. There's still sadness. Of I mean, course. you still have to process it. And the difference of kind of that freedom of knowing, like you were talking about, all right, I just have to get through it. The light's going to come, and this is going to be hard, but I will get through it. Yeah. Such a different physical manifestation. Absolutely. Even when you were telling me the story, it felt like, yeah, levity. Like, it's like, oh. It's levity with a sadness layer. Yeah. And then the other one is literally like an anchor that, like, can't move, that you're, like, stuck on the bottom of an ocean drowning. Yeah. I know all those feelings. Right? I mean, mean, that's part of growing. It's part of growing. Hey guys, we've been talking a ton about this book, 30 Life Crisis, and I just want you to know it's also really funny on top of informative. So if you'd like a signed copy of 30 Life Crisis, we are doing a giveaway. So go to our Instagram, at Den Meditation, for all details. And then like the post, leave a comment, and tag a friend to enter. But guess what? If you want to be entered twice and have two chances to win, also write us a review and send it to Den Talks Podcast at denmeditation.com. But so another thing you talk a lot about is kind of, again, in the norm, like so many of your friends were starting to have kids and you were like, I don't even think I want to have kids. Do you still feel that way? And by the way, I always am very happy for people who know that. Do you have kids? I do, but I always wanted kids. Yeah. And I've always been a strong believer and a big supporter of any friends of mine who even have an inkling of not wanting it because I'm like, own it. Yeah. Do not get lost in the world of feeling like you have to do something. Yes. Because... A, we have an overpopulation problem. Absolutely. B, it is not easy. So why would you go down that road unless it's something you actually want? And there's a beautiful life to also have without having kids. Yeah. And I have five God babies. You've got kids. Which is crazy. Um, but I don't know yet. The answer, like, truly is, you don't is know. I don't know. And my boyfriend feels the exact same way, That's which interesting. is it's awesome. That is great. It's not one of us, pr- at least at this point in our life, not, it's not like one of us pressuring the other, um, which you hear about sometimes too. So I think we just like, we'll just move at our own pace. And No, but that's great because so that's yeah. what happens sometimes. It's like one does an ultimatum and then it's... Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. But own it. Again, like I'm so big on people just like know what you want and like yeah. go by that. Like don't, who gives a shit what people say you're supposed to do? Yeah, especially with kids. I oh mean, my God. And then you fuck up the kid because yeah. you really don't want to be there. I know. And now I have friends who like have kids who are just like, don't do it. I mean, they love their kids. Of course. But I appreciate the honesty too. Well, it is a hard thing raising kids. And if you really don't have that thing of wanting to raise a child, I'm always like, Go explore in different ways. And there's so many other things you can be contributing to the world and doing that are going to be like, and you are doing that. And it's like, I don't know. It's just really interesting. So good for you for holding on to be who you need and you'll see what happens. I think I'm trying to go like day by day. And I think our relationship too, we're like, should we talk about getting a house now? I was like, let's just go day at a time (laughs) and see what happens and stop like 
stop playing into those expectations. Do you think you want to get married? Uh, yes. So but what's so funny is I'm like, oh, I'm fine to not do the whole ceremony. Like, I, it well, I was going to ask you because you're very opinionated about the way, which by I the way, I've, no, I've shared the exact, <laughs> I was married before, different than who I'm with now. And I shared the same opinions as you. I did not have bridesmaids for exactly the same reasons you said. I'm like, I am not stressing. I go, I want people to have fun at my wedding. I don't want people to hate me by the time they get to the wedding. Yes. And how many weddings have you been I like? I didn't even do a wedding shower. I was like, yes. and frankly, I wasn't even going to do gifts, but then everyone just asks you and asks you. So we just did like a, a fun thing. But like, I was so like, what can I do? Because I'm with you. I'm like, it weirdly becomes everyone else's issue when you're getting married. It's like, just do what you want to do. Like, Yeah, totally. And now we're like past the age where I feel like we have more control over like, we're just going to do it the way we want. We've gone to all like the, you know, chicken or steak weddings. And so I would be fine not doing one. He wants one. He wants one. That I was think that's my, so that was, cute. By the way, that was my scenario when I got married. Really? It was funny. Yeah, and even now, because like I think my I call him my husband. I, my husband would get married in a second. I'm the one who's like, Meh. yeah. But my my ex was like, no, I really want the. He's like, I really want the ceremony. I remember being like, well, okay, but you know, I like to throw a party then. So if we're gonna do it, we're throwing a party. Yeah, yeah. It was great. He just wants the party, and it was great. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're not there yet, but but I, we're gonna do things our own way. I don't want a diamond. The whole thing. Like I just. When I'm really embracing trying to just do things as I actually want them. Well, that was literally just my question that I was yeah. about to ask you. When do you think, because I feel like so much of what your journey has been is getting in touch with you. Yeah. Like being okay with what it is you want and not worrying about what the standard is and not having anxiety about what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So when do you think that finally started settling for you? When do you feel like you started to feel that difference of being able to like confidently own your way? I really think it's been maybe the last three years. I think I finally, once I got over the hump of like worrying so much about the 30s, right? Like coming into it, got past that big breakup. Even the next breakup, I think it was just like very recently where like I got control of my anxiety and I think that's a huge thing. And um, then I'm like, oh, I'm enough. Like this is great. And I'm doing it my way. And I got all these places and I got all these opportunities and have done all these things because I've done it completely my way, unfiltered. I haven't climbed the ladder. I've just been doing it as me. But you have, you had been doing it as you even before you got. Yeah, I guess your anxiety, so. I guess it was right? just you connecting just, the you dots. Couldn't own it. I just couldn't. I just couldn't own it. And I think it just some of it just comes with age. And it's beautiful. You said I'm enough. Like so, that yeah. was an issue for you. I think so. Yeah, because when I was with Shane, and I've talked about this, it's not like anything new, but like. He's the king of YouTube. I mean, really, this guy is, now he's like, has 22 million subscribers. Like, it's crazy. It's insane, and he's been doing it forever, and I really lost myself, and I don't regret it, but I right. was the president's wife. Like, I referred to myself as the president's wife. Like, I supported him, and I, and I was still doing my own thing, but I really invested in him because it was fun, and I was so proud of him, and, you know, like, I don't regret any of that, but I think coming out of that, it was like, oh, who it's, am I? It's, yeah, who am I? And also, like, it's my turn now. Like, I'm giving myself permission to now do the rest of my work for me and not for someone else. Do you think how, well, let's talk about this a little bit of how it's interesting that you've always had such a, a job that has been, not always, but for a long time now, has always been kind of about perception mm. and on the other side. And yet you were struggling so much through periods of it. How much of that transparency was there? And in general, and with what you have learned now about yourself, how much do you feel like, what do you think the responsibility of people who work in that space is? Uh, there was a few questions in there. In ter- yeah, wait. 
Reverse. Okay, let's start. <laughs> how, how, how do you feel like it's changed for you as far as what you put out there? Or has it not? In terms of like sharing... Sharing, not, it doesn't have to be about sharing, but about what you feel like is actually representational of who you are. Oh, I think I've always been oddly open. And I think, I mean, obviously, like on YouTube, it's a little bit of a heightened version of me. Right. And energy-wise, you have to do that, too, right. you know, um, to really, like, engage the audience. But I do actually think I've been pretty genuine throughout but as I have gotten over, older and become more self-aware, I think the openness and tr- showing my true self has even increased because I've figured out who that is. Right. So I think it just kind of has evolved as I have evolved. But YouTube, which has been like, you know, kind of kickstarted everything for me, I'm so grateful for it, is a space where people go because it feels real. Like, People don't go on YouTube to watch these fully, highly produced videos. They go on the ones that do the best or the ones that are the most real. So that's all I ever knew. That's all I've ever been doing for the most part on there. So, And what do you feel like the responsibility of... I mean, now it's like it's such a huge industry, YouTube or just Instagram or Twitter, any yeah. of it. Do you feel like there's a responsibility or no? Uh, I think it's probably according to who you ask. For me, I feel a thousand percent responsible for the people. There's a lot of young women that watch me. And my other career uh, and life path is I owned a children's theater. I love, by yeah. the way. I was literally telling Nicole, I'm like... I gotta get my daughter into one of these things. She's so dramatic. I feel like if she channeled it, you ha- you must. and then I was reading, and I'm like, oh my god, does she own one? You're like, and we close. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we like, oh. we were in uh, Studio City, kind of near um, where your the other, den. yeah, the den is. Um, that's all to say that I. Oh, I thought you were gonna break uh, out. And yeah, song. that's, that's all, all to say. say. Uh, <laughs> I've been a teacher for half of my life, also to young kids, a lot of mostly women or young girls. And so I think it's just innate in me that I feel a social responsibility to show an unfiltered version. Um, And I I mean, I think that's what the book is too. The book is very unfiltered. Yeah. Do you struggle like looking at kind of the world now? I mean, it's a really tough world, especially like now as a mom. I look at it and I'm just like, it's just... You know, I was saying this because I see these girls who are doing, like, highly inappropriate things for every picture now because everyone thinks they're a model. And I remember telling my mom, who's like, it's awful. I'm like, well, look, we all did it, like, even in the 80s and 90s, but we were doing it in front of a mirror in our rooms. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we put on music and we would pose and see That's what the best so pose true. is. I was like, I remember doing it, too. Like, I perfected my pose and I perfected this, but it was me yes. by myself and a mirror. I yes. go, the problem now is their mirror is a camera and there's an audience and it's yes. huge. And it's like, and there's ramifications to that. Yes. Like for us, it was kind of like, it's just you trying to figure out your identity and struggling with like, what do I want to present? And hopefully you ultimately learn it's not about presenting. It's about right. you. But we all go through. You have to yeah. like bobble that way. Yeah. But now there's audience and there's reaction and validation and validation or not validation which is also just as bad both just the fact that there's reaction period is a little scary I mean I don't envy you for raising oh I'm terrified she's still too young for that but I'm like hopefully maybe it all crashes and burns by the time she gets you know what yeah it might (laughs) it might Um, but also I'm hoping that people that are having kids now and are now aware of what's happening are able to modify how they allow their kids to be using it. Yeah, because I think the generation that had kids right when this all happened didn't 
didn't know. We didn't yeah. know. No concept of it. So it kind of got out of control. So I'm hoping, and I've seen it with my friends and their kids, that we kind of rein that in yeah. and change the way that it's working. And I think that's talk like of Instagram overseas is starting to change their policies where we won't be seeing likes. Right. So that takes a whole, if that's the, if that's really going to happen. I would love that. It'll change the It'll change the whole landscape because it's funny, I just taught a class the other day about kind of confidence and also about just uniqueness and being unique. And my whole point was, you know, we all think in a weird way, it's cool to be unique now. Yeah. So like everyone's like, oh my God, I'm unique because like I've did my hair in a way no one's done their hair yet or I'm doing this or like on Instagram, it's like, well, look at my page, look at this cool thing I'm doing. But like being unique for unique's sake is not actually owning your unique self. Correct. And sometimes your unique self might actually follow the total boring norm because that's what you need or what you like and yeah. that's what you should embrace because that's actually who you are. So it's like, how can you embrace your unique self versus trying really hard to be unique? And hmm. my point was... You think you're owning your uniqueness. You think you're owning who you are. But the minute you don't get the likes, you change direction. So oh, that's not yeah. that's not owning your uniqueness at all. That's no. creating a manifestation of something that's actually not you. That's fascinating. And it is because, so you're right. If you remove those likes, people are going to have to changer. Hey, I wonder how many people are actually going to put themselves out there. It'll yes. change, I think, the volume. Yes. Because I think people will be a little bit more nervous of like, I have no clue if they're liking me or not. Yes. And then I think the people who are actually willing to be themselves will actually just come out because you won't know what's working It'll or be not. a little bit more authentic. Well, yeah, because you have to be. It's like you just put it out there because you want to, not because someone's Not because you're chasing a, a like... I mean, I've had arguments with people about this before. Yeah. Like, of people who are like, well, I did this because I thought it was really special, and but then I didn't get it, so I took it off. I'm like, but if you thought it was really special, just keep doing it. Like, well, it makes me sad. Me too, because it's like, well, then you're not owning your own. And also, some things take a while to catch on. And second of all, don't do it because they're going to catch on at all. Do it because it works for you. Right. And that's, I mean, people ask me about YouTube, if they want to become YouTubers, how to begin. It what was do like, you say? Don't chase a trend. It's the same exact thing. Make content that you wholeheartedly enjoy. And believe in. And people will feel that. You can feel someone's authenticity. You can tell when someone's faking or trying. It's exactly what you're saying. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's funny. And I used to, you know, I used to work in entertainment. And so I used to have to give, like, a lot of... People just always have me talk to like upper and comers to be like, how can I even break in? And now it's been a while, so it's different. But I remember telling people, you guys are so lucky. You're from a, such a different generation. Like back in the day, you'd find a way to write a script, sneak it to someone to get it on the thing. Like how, because you'd have to have an agent. Like otherwise, right. how do you get it? I'm like, just own your voice. You have a million ways to get your voice out there now. Own what your voice is. If your voice is authentic and is going to grow on its own, you will get noticed. Yeah. And you will, it, as it has for you and for other people, it will grow in ways that are unimaginable. And now you have a way to get your voice out there, which before people didn't really have. Yeah. Like they could write and write all they want. They could be the most brilliant writer, but if they didn't somehow find a way into the right hands, that's right. It was it never was seen to public. Yeah. So it isn't, but it always goes back to but you've got to have your own voice. Yeah, because you can't keep up with everyone else's. Like, I struggle with this right. with auditions where, like, you'll get the breakdown and the character will be, you know, they ha think they have this very specific idea of what they want. And so I go in, I'm like, okay, I have to do it perfect. I, I, I'm so worried about, like, doing it the way I think they want me to oh, do can't. it. Which is, uh, it's so absurd. That's such an absurd 
thing to be chasing is chasing this perfection that doesn't actually even exist. No. And the people that get the roles are the ones that come in and do it their own way. It's funny. I used to say this all the time because I used to be in the casting room all the time. And I have a lot of actor friends. They'd be like, during pilot season, we'd always be like, but what do I do? And I'm like, just go in there and do it. You have no clue. No one, because they'll be like, can you put in a good word for me? You know this person. I'm like, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. No one's like, I want to work with that person because they're nice or I don't want to work yeah. with that person for the asshole. You either walk in and you own that part and everyone's like, holy shit, that's it. Or you don't. Like, it has nothing to do with, like, anything else. Yes, if you're super, super famous and they think maybe that'll help get viewers, that might of be course. the only thing that trumps anything else. Yeah. But otherwise, when you're just auditioning for, like, things, it's always, like, someone just is the role. Yeah. They come and you're like... Because they're authentic and they're just doing it their yes. way. Yes. It always boils down to yeah. that. And the relationship, it's like, it sounds like when you figured out how to be you... Yes. That's when you could actually be open. I know you made that joke about Super Soul Sunday. And I was like, but it's true. It's like... Yeah, you can't... You, until you love... They, I mean, it's all the cliches really do... It They're is. a cliche for a reason. They're a cliche for a reason because yeah. it's true. But like we talked about here is, but then how do you do it? Like how do you love yourself? How do you get out of the spiral? How do you, you know, stay authentic, you know, versus like there's all these things like you should do this, you should do this. And how do you, and so what do you feel like for you has worked the best? Uh, I think talking for me, being open about it, um, going to therapy, but also meditation, yoga. For me, exercise has changed my life significantly. It's kind of an outlet physically and What's mentally. What's your exercise, yoga? or? Uh, no, I switch it up. Right now, I'm doing spin class. And then I also do weight training. I just love it. It makes me feel powerful and strong Good. and awesome. And sometimes it's just me and a bunch of dudes. And I feel, <laughs> you know, I'm 5'1". And I'm just, like, kicking ass. Um, and that's what I'm doing right now. It, you know, sometimes I go through different phases. But I'm consistent. And what type of meditation do you do? Um, so I'm not as consistent with that but I found that I love loving kindness mm -hmm. I like a guided meditation because I really do have a hard time my mind does go absolutely everyone's does so I think guided helps me and I found that that one I just am drawn to we're gonna get you into the den more often oh I'm so excited oh, yeah for sure we yeah. gotta get you in um before we get to your four yous so you're also a big bachelor, bachelorette, bachelor in paradise. I am. Capper and watcher. Yes. Although I feel like it's become very toxic. I can't. I'm with you. I've been watching it from the beginning. Yeah. And I'm like. It's changed and it's social media. It's social media because now they bring in people with followings and people are doing it just to get the following. Yes. So there's like no authenticity talk, talk to Talk about it. It all comes back to that. Yeah. So I it actually, I'm still like watching it because. I know. I watch it and fall asleep and then yell at it. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes I just need to zone out and that's like my other form of like. Me too. Zoning. It's and housewives. Fine. Yeah. Whatever it is. I watch cheesy reality and married shows. Married at First Sight. I'm just pitching that. People love that It's one. amazing. I okay. keep pitching it because it's more authentic. Okay. Okay. That, that fulfills, that's going back to why I used to love those shows, which is like just seeing how people's brains operate. Yes. For good and for bad. Yes. And that is character it right study. now. It's a character study. Yeah. And it's a beautiful study of how do you actually make a relationship work? Huh. It's not really just about like two people who have the greatest chemistry. Of course not. But people don't always know that. And when yeah. you see a show like this, you're actually watching people have to figure it out and negotiate. And it's really clear the people who know how to do work and the people who are getting in their own way and can't do it. Wait, that sounds fun. I love it. And it's yeah. not frilly. It's not fancy. It's not sexy. If anything, sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh God, their editing's horrible and the, the music's a little much. Yeah. But like, I love it. Oh, that's fun. Content wise, I love it. Okay. Yeah. Let me know. Get back to yeah, me. Yeah. Because the bat, I don't know. I struggle also with The Bachelor, same thing, because I'm always like, no one real. And also, they're going so young now for the looks. 
But I'm like, none of these people want to get fucking married. JPJ is 24. Get... There was something so adorable about that. I know. There was like this cute baby zest for life that I was actually, it almost kind of reminded me of like, um, oh my God, why am I blanking? That movie with Tom Hanks. Big? No, but that's a good one. Oh my like God, why am I blanking? Every... The famous one. What's his name? The kid who was a little bit off and he was sweet, Tom Hanks. And then. Oh, um, uh, Forrest Gump. Thank you. Oh, that's funny. Like, do you know what I mean? Not in yeah, the yeah, like yeah, yeah. kind of slow way, but in the exuberance of sweetness and yes, life, and just always totally. childlike. Actually, once he grows, he's he needs to grow up a little bit, but he he's going to be a phenomenal, dude. Yeah, because he's yeah. fun and he's like really just loves like love loves. everything. He just yeah, loves. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so sweet, but yeah, they're so young. He's they're like, so young. Holy I'm like, crap. none of them are ready to get married. No, and please don't. And don't <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, don't. It's. I, so I struggle with it too. I'm like, it's just lost. But just recently, it. it feels like, it's like that. the last few years. Yeah. Also, it's formulaic as all hell. They're like, I oh, know. it's episode three. I got to tell her I'm falling for. Up, oh, it's episode four. If I haven't said I'm falling in love with her, they're gonna kick me off. So I got to do it. Yeah. It's like, but if you're it's not, it's a game now. My the few that I actually stay engaged are the people who are like, you can tell they actually like the person, but they're like, I'm not ready to be there yet. Yes, I'm like, well, that's yes. actually real. Go to that person. Yeah, and that's interesting. We don't need to get engaged at the end of all these things. Like, it's more interesting the people that are like, I want to continue this, but like... I heard the Colton, you might have heard this if you're more into it, the Colton season, like, you know, at the end it went crazy and he jumped yeah. the fence and like ran away. I heard part of the reason he did that was he always wanted whoever he ended up with. I just learned. This is so it's weird. It's kind of amazing. That. Yes. And he Do you guys even care about this? Sorry. Like, I know, we this never is... talk about this on here and like, I should have a show all about Bachelor in Paradise <laughs> and like Bachelor and Bachelorette. But it's, I heard that he basically was like, you, he, they were keeping her from him in order to keep the show more interesting and he was getting pissed. And finally at the end, he basically was like, fuck you. And then when, and basically that's when he jumped the fence and was like, I'm done. And the only yeah. way he came back, right? Am I doing this right? Like the only way he came back, he was like hiding from them. And the only reason he came back is that's when he told them, you have to let me dump these other women so I can prove to her that she was always the one because oh. she doesn't believe it because of the way you guys I produced it. Produ I heard something very similar where it's yeah, like he always liked Cassie. He knew from always. the very beginning, yeah. but he knew that if he let them know that, they would either try to stir up drama or they they would stir it up because he was ready to pick her from the very right, start. Right, but then she left. Right, same thing. But then she left because she wasn't, she didn't know. Right. And that's when he was like, this show sucks. Like, this is what I want. Now I can't get it. And that's when he was like. Respect. I. By the way, it made me like him so much more. Yes. I was like, good for you. He was yes. basically like, you say this is for me to find love and you don't give a shit. Yeah. And they don't. And they don't. No. <laughs> they simply do not. I think that's actually why I like Bachelor in Paradise better. Because as annoying as it can be, they are actually just sitting there having conversations with each yeah, other. Yeah, they get more time, too. And they're actually just spending time together. And there's, like, no TV and no nothing. So if the, that's why more relationships come out of there. Yeah, totally. And they have more to choose from. Yeah, and so it might be bullshit. Some of them are bullshit just to stay on longer. But yeah. the ones that actually connect, and they might not last forever, they're, like, more legitimate because they're actually talking to each other all yes, day. Yes, totally. And they're not always going on dates. Sometimes, they're even though they're in a beautiful atmosphere, they're, yeah. they are just sitting Sitting there. around in the pool. Yeah. I know. Oh, I could talk about this. By the way, time. me too. And I love that this is like the Den Meditation <laughs> podcast. Let's <laughs> I feel like leave it to me but for I'm, that to happen. No, I'm here. always very open that I watch crap TV and it okay. always surprises everyone. I'm like, I love, but I also love television. I grew, I mean, I grew up watching television. Then I worked in television for years and loved it and had a very like good career that I enjoyed. So it's like, I don't hide it. I'm like, yeah. everyone needs to be who they are. And we love always that. get to another thing. So let's do your four years. So what oh. for you, those are just four quick questions. Okay. 
Um, what's your, that for takeaways for the audience, favorite self-care hack? Oh, say no to plans if you need to take care of yourself. Yeah, people don't do that. It's hard to say no to plans, and you feel like you need to be doing things, especially on, like, a Friday or a Saturday. But if you, like, know in your heart that you just need a night to decompress and take off, say no to plans. I like it. First thing you do when you wake up. Oh, I uh, check to see what position my dog's in because every morning it's so hilarious. <laughs> like, she's usually head on the pillow. So, yeah, it's the first thing I, like, think and check to see, like, where she is in space. So cute. Yeah. Um, do you have, like, a teacher or, like, a teacher that's inspired you? So whether it be, or even, like, a therapist. Or has there been someone that's been very inspirational for your growth? Uh, my mom. That's, yeah. That's beautiful. Because she's constantly growing and learning and uh, teaching. And she, she's just an amazing woman, really. She's just constantly evolving. I love that. Yeah. I, I mean, all moms want that to be the answer. Yeah. That's amazing. Is there, do you have, like, a sign that for you validates you're on the right path? Oh, that's interesting. I ask for signs a lot. I don't know if there's, like, one specific one. Um, but, like, butterflies. Do butterflies come in your life a lot? When you yeah, like or hummingbirds. It's A lot of times it's animals, like a spirit animal of some sort. And now I've been pulling cards. Too. You have? My boyfriend and I pull cards once a week. And it's awesome. Together? Like, do you have a certain night that you do it? No, it's just kind of when we gather around, we have, like, a spot where we have them. And we both just pull it, especially when we need it, when one of us is, like, lost in thought about something. And then we leave them out for the week. And then when we're ready for new ones, we pull them. What's the moment you knew with your boyfriend that this was different? Um, seriously, like pretty right away on the first date. We sat down at first. I was like, oh, I don't know. He dressed terribly. I, know, I love that you said that. You're like, oh. <laughs> He's still in mine too. Oh. And, and it's like, <laughs> don't let you. That can, you can't let, but people, by the way, will let that stop a relationship, which I, I think is ridiculous. It's, it's like, ridiculous. Oh, let them dress like shit. Who cares? I know. And I've, that's something I'm also working on is like, I love him for him, so who am I to like edit what? Yeah, I love I loved him even even though he was wearing like a terrible outfit. But <laughs> he sat down. We sat down at the bar, and he was so right away so inquisitive and not like it wasn't scripted. He really like it was, it asking was questions. and then he would ask me to elaborate on the answer, and then would dive in deeper. And then he was like so open with himself, and it was so clear that he had done the work. Yeah, and you he know, cared about you. Yeah, and that he was so like self he was so self-aware that he was able he was comfortable like asking me, you know I don't know it was just like one right away the conversation I was like oh you're on a whole nother level like this is great well I love it because like the opening he writes the forward and I right and no that's Shane oh that was Shane yeah 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 Okay, well, I love, it made me laugh because the opening is basically how hot it was in your apartment. Yeah, yeah. And that you're standing there naked in front of the, I used yeah. to do that all the time. Dude, air conditioning was expensive. Well, same thing. Like, in my yeah. first apartment was Hollywood, and it'd be so hot. And yeah, like that's where big, I was, too. Yeah, and we'd be in a big building, and I was with a roommate, a female and she used to just be like, are you fucking kidding me? And it used to actually drive her crazy, because, like, she'd wake up, and it'd be, like, 9 a.m. on a Saturday, and I'd be standing there eating mint chocolate chip ice cream with <laughs> yes. the freezer open and the refrigerator open naked, and just standing there. <laughs> It would be like August and just miserably hot. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. It's like the only thing cooling. That kind of sounds like heaven besides the heat. I know. And she was, but she'd be like, but it's 9 a.m. and you're eating ice cream. She's like, I fucking hate you. And like, she'd walk away. <laughs> We're still friends. But I did that more. So I was cracking up when I was reading that because oh, yeah. I was like, 
Oh, that's sweet. I didn't realize that was Shane. I think. Yeah, yeah. Shane wrote the forward, and Jeff. I don't think I paid boyfriend. attention. I think because he was saying it like I was with you. I just assumed at the end. Yeah, no, it was kind of that. It's a kind of a full circle thing with Shane to have write, written the forward. It was like really special. But Jeff, my boyfriend, current boyfriend, told me that he wants to write a book just for me of all the women he's ever dated. <laughs> he's like, since I read he's about like, it, so you have to read about it. <laughs> that is true. It is funny when you think about. Oh my God! And his God bless his mom. I, I think his mom has read the book and oh god she still loves me after this then you I'm actually don't, don't say anything that horrible no but you know like for the I mother know, you don't want anyone to know yeah, that you I, fucked anybody else. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like yeah you're like only only him only him and yeah and it's beautiful every time every single time yes. we never fight and no. it's he's the most magical yes, human. i've never done drugs i don't drink i know yeah. it, yeah, there's that would be the hard thing about probably writing like a memoir or like Yeah, you can't really think about that till you're done and then you're like, Oh crap, people are gonna read this. Who's the first person who read it? Oh, that's an interesting question. Well, I had an editor who would read it, but Who's the first like personal person you gave it to? I think my mom. And what did she say? She loved it. She's read it so many times. Oh. I know. And then she listened like your she mom should be everybody's mom. I mean I have a great mom too. Yeah, no, like, she's just the best, yeah. Oh, my God, I love that. Well, yeah. you are a pleasure. And you. And Have it's fun. really fun talking to you. And Thank I really you. appreciate you being so honest in this book. Because I do course. think there's a lot of people who, whether it's to the degree you have it or just, like, social anxiety in general, like, I feel like it's really good for people to know, A, they're not alone, and B, you can get through it, and there's ways to manage it, which I think is the most important thing. It doesn't have to take over your life. Like, yeah. it might always be part of you, but it's, like, learning how to own it and work with it yeah. rather than, like... It also fuels me. That my therapist we'll talk said about that. that. My therapist said it to me, and I was like, "It's so brilliant." It's like you, this is sometimes just part of my process as an artist. And like, if you look at a lot of comedians and actors, a I lot mean, you of, loved Seinfeld. We're all fueled by anxiety, so it's just kn- knowing and accepting that's who I am, getting control of it so it doesn't take over control, but also be grateful for it because that's who you are. That's who I am, and that's the one life you were given. Yep. Well, thank you. Stay tuned because she's going to do her personal practice and you're awesome. Thank you. So now Lisa is going to do her personal practice, which is a Dalai Lama quote. Yeah, and what's interesting is that you guys told me to come up with something to bring in and I wanted to bring a love and kindness uh, meditation and I was trying to look for one and then as I'm walking out of my bedroom door, I realized I have this sign hanging next to my bedroom door and it's been there for years and I forget to read it and forget to practice it sometimes and I was like oh of course that's what I should be reading to myself and to everyone so this is from the Dalai Lama a precious human life every day think as you wake up today I am fortunate to have woken up I am alive I have a precious human life I'm not going to waste it I'm going to use all my energies to develop myself to expand my heart out to others, to achieve enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. I am going to have kind thoughts towards others. I am not going to get angry or think badly about others. I'm going to benefit others as much as I can. A precious human life. Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielik, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks podcast, and join us there. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.